Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of October 2012. For newcomers, you should go into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com, make good use of it. There's lots and lots of free audios for download there where I go through the system, the big system that really runs the world with the parallel government as they call it themselves, those involved in it, all ex-presidents, prime ministers from across the world and belonging to big foundations that uh, fund NGO armies across the world to the fund the United Nations along with all our cash money as well. And they're bringing in a new system, of course, and it's a system that their own members have written about uh, openly pretty well from the days of H.G. Wells to the present time. And uh, Wells called it the open conspiracy, and he outlined the whole plan, just that most folk won't read the articles, or they don't want to believe them. It's just too negative, to say. So I go through it all, and I tie in the past to the present to show you you're living through a script. Even amongst all what appears to be chaos to you, everything is organized right down to the color color revolutions across the Middle East. Uh, We're all funding uh, these so-called rebels. Otherwise, we call them insurgents. Again, they use the terminology to suit themselves at the top because by the change of terminology, we see people in a different light altogether. You can either smear them or you can hail them. And, of course, that's what they're doing with the so-called freedom fighters. Same thing again. All depends who's targeted as an enemy, you see. So you're under scientific control, you see. And, of course, it's all done through think tanks, thousands of them, and uh, well-funded, incredibly well-funded to to look over every facet of society as we go through the cultural changes, uh, the national changes, international changes, global changes into a world order, as they call it, this new world order, and how we're all being trained to accept all the changes that are still to come. We know what they're all going to be because we've published them all. And they also give you lots of sci-fis to watch as well. But uh, it's not a bright future. That's the, that's the sad truth of it. And uh, there are winners and losers in the New World Order, as Jack Satali said. And there are people who can exploit the whole system as we're going under and make a lot of cash off it. And there are those, of course, who fail, the ones at the bottom. So we're going through the biggest changes we've had for since the Industrial Revolution began. And that was even Kissinger said that too. So help yourself to the website. Just to say, remember too, you bring me to you because I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I'm not backed by any big organization. I don't have um, shares in any products I'm selling. Uh, all I do is sell the, 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 the my, my books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and accept donations. So remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use personal checks. You can also still use international postal money orders from the post office. You can send cash, you can use PayPal. And remember, straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome in these austere times, especially when you've got more inflation in Canada than elsewhere because we've got more taxes here. We're more advanced in the U.S., you see, and socialism. And as a socialist system, we're really bringing in. But it's also a feudal system where the socialist system is overseen by feudal overlords, CEOs of corporations. 
Remember, across the world, too, you can still order using PayPal and Western Union and MoneyGram. And again, straight donations are awfully welcome. But most folk get confused and they get caught up in today's events. There will be tomorrow's events as well. And we're supposed to all go, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, as they churn out the stuff for us to, to, to Google that. That's what they call it, Googling. Your eyes, eyeballs pop out and you go, oh, look at that. And you'll always get lots and lots of data thrown at you. And it's all from the mainstream, remember. All from the mainstream. And what I try to do is take the mainstream ones and, and put in the parts that they omit from the stories to give it the spin, you see. That's how you spin things, take part of the truth away or the other reasons for something. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix. And it really is a matrix because you're conditioned from childhood and actually from your birth to believe in this system. If it exists around you and all of it, even including the money system, everything, then it must be normal. That's how, that's how simple it is to, to prefer mammals, including people too. If your parents don't know to warn you, you won't know yourself. And that's what the big boys know. We've been studied for millions of years, definitely thousands. But uh, we're the most studied species on the whole planet. Not the insects and not the animals, but us, you see. And the art of uh, managing populations, altering populations, amalgamating populations into empires is very old indeed. And of course, the group that came up with the idea for the bigger amalgamation of the world started in London, in England. And they were the bankers of the city. And they, they formed organizations to, because they already had the British Empire on the go, you see. And they would use the British Empire to, to amalgamate country after country and put in the same kind of system wherever they went, meaning a kind of parliamentary system uh, that would be in league with other countries in the same system. And they had leagues of nations and things like that. Now they have United Nations and the Commonwealth of Nations. And that's where they plunder all your, the commoners' wealth. And today it hasn't changed, you see, they're using that as the embryo, and they've said that in all their books, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, uh, that's the embryo for the world state, basically, the world system. They funded Marxism, they funded uh, the, the Soviets uh, for their entire lifetime, the Soviet Union. Uh, they fund uh, all sides, basically, to bring change. You must get, have different sides to have conflict to get change. That's the dialectic. Without conflict, uh, nothing changes, you see. And they, they want, they've got big, big plans, big business plans for the world and humanity itself, because at the top, these are the most elite, wealthiest families that have ever existed, probably in, in the history of humankind. The incredible wealth they have today and power. And they intermarry each other, and they do believe that they are the most superior species on the planet. They're right into eugenics, and they have all their, they finance all the different studies on us, of course, uh, through their foundations, tax-free foundations, which they own. And uh, it, it's just incredible the trillions and trillions of dollars they have spent collectively every year on us, studying us, altering us, and altering the system. But the system is coming, as I say, as a kind of communist-type, Soviet-type system. 
as to be non-democratic. Remember, the Club of Rome, uh, that's a branch, uh, think tank for the United Nations, said that back in the 70s, 1970s, that democracy wouldn't work, just too many competing parties. They know that's true because, you see, part of the whole idea of creating the dysfunction was to create so many competing parties and special interest groups until they're all demanding, you know, the, the top platform over all the rest. So authoritarianism would be brought in to complete the final phase. How would it be brought in? Well, you've gone through the planned bank crashes and everything else, you see. Economic system, economic warfare, the simplest one of all. And remember, too, the boys who started up the Royal Institute for International Affairs were bankers and their sons at the very, very top. And, of course, the top place where they all meet, the top inner circle meets at All Souls College, always have done. There's an outer party and inner party. They have journalists across the whole planet and all the, all the major newspapers and the editors all belong to it as well. So they standardize the news. And folk can't understand this, uh, this Soviet blend with uh, capitalism. Well, you're in it. You're actually in it, you see, where government works alongside the banks, the private banks, and they're changing all of society to do with austerity and redistribution of wealth out of the, you know, the Communist Manifesto. All of that stuff's happening now, and the articles are all out there. If you go into the website at cuttingthreematrix.com, you'll find enough of them there, because I've read them over the years. And I remember going back to the Rees Commission in the 1950s, where the Congress um, sent out uh, Norman Dodd, I think it was, Senator Dodd to go out into uh, finding out why these big foundations, these incredibly rich foundations, Ford, Carnegie, Rockefeller and other ones, all seem to be funding communist front organizations within the U.S. and Europe. And and they were, he said, he's astounded. I put, I put the link up before we hear him actually talking about this. He says he was astounded when the, the head of the Ford Foundation says, we report directly to the White House, he says particular orders from the White House. And he said that, uh, that the goal is to, to seamlessly bring the Soviet system, with big governments, massive government uh, bureaucracies and agencies running every fast of your life, bringing that together with that of the West easily, quietly, until over a period of time it become the normal. And it's happened. It's happened, you see. Also, I've gone through Yuri Bezmenov's uh, talks, before I'll put some of them up again tonight, he was an agent KGB who defected and he went through the system too of how they would destroy the West culturally. Most of the espionage was cultural espionage by revolutions, cultural, sexual, etc. Revolutions, you see. All these revolutions completely altered society, d- destroy the family unit. Everyone becomes, uh, uh, they're, they're on their own. No one stands up for them. Guys won't fight for a wife if he doesn't have one. And, um, you have less opposition to, to all the big proposals and, and things you're going to bring on society. I'll put that up tonight too. But also, I got a, a link here to one that I read back in 2006, and it was from a, a Soviet dissident who warned uh, about the economic union, the EU, this massive conglomerate new Soviet system of Europe, dictatorship. And it says that Vladimir Bukovsky, at the time, he was a 63-year-old former Soviet dissident. Fears the European Union is on its way to becoming another Soviet Union. Well, it is. It was set up to be non-democratic. 
In a speech he delivered in Brussels last week, he called the EU a monster that must be destroyed. The sooner the better, before it develops into a full-fledged totalitarian state. Well, it was designed to be a totalitarian state. And it says here, in his speech, he referred to uh, confidential documents from secret Soviet files, which he was allowed to read in 1992. Now, this guy spent years in a prison camp and in, in, in different prison camps in the Soviet Union. He knows what he's talking about. He said, I attended the meeting and taped the speech, a transcript as well as the audio fragments. Approximately 50 minutes can be found below. I'll put the link up for that, too. I also had a brief interview with Mr. Bukowski and... Um, an interview about the European Union had to be cut short because he had other engagements, but it brought back some memories as I'd interviewed Vladimir Bukowski 20 years ago in 1986 when the Soviet Union, the first monster that he so valiantly fought, was still alive and thriving. Mr. Bukowski was one of the heroes of the 20th century as a young man exposed the use of psychiatric imprisonment against political prisoners in the former USSR. It says 1971. Uh, it's lasted from 1917 to 1991. And spent a total of 12 years from 1964 to 1976, from the age of 20 sec- to 22 to 34 in Soviet jails, labor camps, and psychiatric institutions. In 1976, uh, the Soviets expelled him to the West. In 1992, he was invited by the Russian government to serve as an expert testifying at the trial conducted to determine whether the Soviet Communist Party had been a criminal institution. Preparing for his testimony, he was granted access to a large number of documents from the Soviet archives. He's one of the few people ever to have seen these documents because they're still classified. He used a small handheld scanner and a laptop computer, and he managed to copy many of the documents, uh, some of them with very high security clearance, including KGB reports to the Soviet government. And he says this, he says, He says, I'm referring to structures, to certain ideologies being instilled. Ideologies, remember, is generally cultural, through universities and so on. To the plans, the direction, the inevitable expansion, the obliteration of nations. It's a global system, you see. Which was the purpose of the Soviet Union. Most people do not understand this, they don't know it. But we do, because we were raised in the Soviet Union, where we had to study the Soviet ideology in school at university. It says the ultimate purpose of the Soviet Union was to create a new historic entity, the Soviet people, all around the globe. The same is true in the EU today. They're trying to create a new people. They call this people Europeans, whatever that means. According to communist doctrine, as well as to many forms of socialist thinking, the state, the national state, is supposed to wither away. Now, I've read many articles that's already happening and parts of Europe, and, and we've had many recent proposals from the top of the EU to obliterate the nations in total amalgamation politically, as not just economically, but totally politically, into the one superpower. This is in Russia, however, the opposite happened. Instead of withering away, the Soviet state became a very powerful state, but the nationalities were obliterated. But when the time of the Soviet collapse came, the suppressed feelings of national identity came bouncing back, and then nearly destroyed the country. It was so frightening. Then they ask if the same thing can happen when European Union collapses. He says, absolutely, you can press a spring only that much, and the human psyche is very resilient. He says, you can press it and you can press it, but don't forget, it's still accumulating a power to rebound. It's like a spring, and it always goes to overshoot. 
and then exactly say, but all these countries that joined the European Union did so voluntarily. And of course, this man says, no, they did not. Look at Denmark, which voted against the Maastricht Treaty twice. Look at Ireland, which voted against the Nice Treaty. Look at many other countries that are under enormous pressure. It's almost blackmail. Well, actually, it is blackmail. It is blackmail because when they were pushing all this uh, vote for European unity stuff through, they kept telling everybody in, in Britain and elsewhere they'd be left behind and they'd get no trade at all and they'd all be incredibly poor. Look at them now as they bail out and bail out country after country and borrow the money to bail out the countries. Look at the state they're in now, folks. It says Switzerland has forced to vote five times in a refer- referendum all five times they rejected it, but who knows what will happen the sixth time or the seventh time. It's always the same thing. It's a trick for idiots. The people have to vote in referendums until the people vote the way that is wanted. Then they have to stop voting. That's a trick. Just keep at you and at you and at you. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and reading an article from a, 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 an ex-Soviet dissident who warned about the European Union and how it was discussed within the Soviet system that they'd hijack the whole system and, and bring their, their new system in that way in the back door, you see. And he, he actually has the, had the records. He was given access to the archives of the ex-Soviet system and he has lots of evidence. I'll put the links up tonight for that too. But it says it's, the idea was very simple. It says it first came up in 1985-86 when the Italian communists visited Gorbachev. Remember Gorbachev was the head of the Soviet Union at the time. Followed by the German Social Democrats. They all complained about the changes in the world, particularly after British Prime Minister Thatcher introduced privatization and economic liberalization. And says they were threatening to wipe out the achievements of generations of socialists and social democrats, threatening to reverse it completely. Therefore, the only way to withstand the onslaught of wild capitalism was to try to introduce the same socialist goals in all countries at once. Prior to that, the left-wing parties in the Soviet Union had opposed European integration because they perceived it as a means to block their socialist goals. From 1985 onwards, they completely changed their view. The Soviets came to conclusion and to agreement with the left-wing parties that if they worked together, they could hijack the whole European project and turn it upside down. Instead of an open market, they'd turn it into a federal state. And that's exactly where they're going with it, a federal state and obliteration of all the member ex-states, because they'll call them ex-states for a little while, and that'll be that. They're all already obliterating their histories, their personal histories in nations. This is according to the secret Soviet documents. 85 to 86 was a turning point, and he published these documents. I'll give the link for that, too. She might even find them on the Internet. But the conversations you had are really eye-opening. For the first time, you understand that there is a conspiracy quite understandable for them as we're trying to save their political hides. In the East, the Soviets needed a change of relations with Europe because they were entering a protracted and very deep structural crisis. In the West, the left-wing parties were afraid of being wiped out and losing their influence and prestige. So it was a conspiracy quite openly made by them, agreed upon and worked out. Now remember, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, made up of the top capitalists of London, the city of London, um, were all for the Soviet Union and helped fund it through their banks and their friends in, in the States as well, other banking friends. 
Uh, in fact, we fed the Soviet Union. The, the contract for the grain imports from Canada and the States went up every year, and Canada would compete with the States to, to supply this massive amounts of grain to the Soviet Union. They could even feed themselves right to the, to the time they finished. And so uh, we funded them. So here you have an organization funding all parties, all sides. And remember, too, they have their left-wing side under the Fabian Society uh, with the same goal as well. They, they work the left uh, hand, and, of course, they also work the right hand as well through the Royal Institute for International Affairs. But anyway, I'll put this big article up tonight. That's one a little bit I've read to you. It's quite long, and you can go through it to see what's happening in Europe. And, and austerity will start to make sense to you. Um, all the cons are going out or on in the Soviet Union. The Barroso's various statements will make sense to you, and all and Rompuy's as well, and all the rest of it. It's all going the way it's supposed to go. But he does say this man, he says that the European Union cannot be democratized. It cannot, it will never happen. It cannot happen. He says this kind of structure cannot be democratized. And that is true. It's non-democratic. The politicians are just there for show. They have no voting power. They can't change anything, any laws. It's all coming from the, the, the guys at the top. Tonight, too, Talking about the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Remember that they have uh, Chatham House as one of their headquarters, their main headquarters in, in England. And uh, they have Chatham House rules. Chatham House rules govern all their, their meetings, their affiliated meetings, their different branches, uh, where the, the members can talk freely. Uh, it's just like Masonic, you see. They can talk freely on the floor, you might say, and nothing will be repeated that they said outside of that room. And no journalist will print anything. Well, this is a little story but from Australia, but it, it's not really interesting except for the one part. And it's about a reporter that was attending a meeting, uh, a private meeting. And it says here, uh, it says the journalist who taped Alan Jones' comments about Prime Minister's father says no confidentiality rules were outlined at the function where he spoke. He says the veteran broadcaster has publicly apologized for using his speech to a Sydney University liberal club fundraiser, right? The Sydney University. To declare John Gillard had died of shame because of Ms. Gillard's lies. Lies about not just no carbon taxes and all the rest of it, but the fact that she also was, was, uh, had a long relationship with the guy at the head of the trade union system that seemed to be scamming a lot of money. But anyway. This came out, and this is a little scandal that that someone did publish what he said. That was a private sort of club. But remember, it's a Sydney University Liberal Club fundraiser, and it goes on and on and on about this story here. And it says that um, it says he's been caught out and he's not happy. But asked if organisers had stipulated Chatham House rules, right? So here you have the Liberal Club uh, for Australia with all these journalists there using Chatham House rules. Now, why would they be using Chatham House rules? Because, you see, it's a branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. That's why. The Liberal Club itself, folks, and everybody in it, all the members. That's why. It's all over the world. Back with more after this break. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're going through the system, the real system, not the one that they project to you to keep you living in a, a fantasy world, a dumbed-down fantasy world at that. But uh, believe you me, there are people who are taught a completely different system from their birth at the top, and they know exactly where they're going with all of this too. And they use the best, the best they can find in academia to work in their think tanks and to work as advisors to the politicians that you think you elect. But part of the system too for the Royal Institute for International Affairs, again, they evolved out of the Milner Group, uh, the Milner Group basically joined with the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, uh, Lord Milner uh, joined with Rhodes Foundation and Rothschilds, and to take over all of the resources of the planet and bring in uh, a new a world run by science. And they'd, they'd select the sciences and the types of sciences too, and create the kind of people that they wanted to inhabit it, uh, to serve them better, basically, and the ones they would dispose of down the way using eugenics and different techniques. But part of the system that even their historian worked out for the Council on Foreign Relations, it's one branch of the same organization, uh, Carl Quigley, he talked about uh, the banking system and how these private central banks eventually would be given more and more power and they'd, they'd be working with the International Monetary Fund, another private organization run by the same people, and the World Bank, who own the, the World Bank and two same boys, and uh, they lend to the, the, the actually private banks, all of these. And uh, they also would uh, be under the Bank for International Settlements in Basel, Switzerland. That's just happening now. They're reaching their, their total power. They've been years and years and years at this, and they create the bank crashes and everything else to make it happen. Oh, we've got to amalgamate and get more power to save the world. It's the same thing as global warming. We've got to you know, spray you from the skies and kill you all to stop us all perishing. Same idea. So here's the articles now as they, as they go into the next phase, uh, which is exactly what was planned a long time ago, and we're going through it all today because now is the time for it happening. Central banks are expanding their reach, it says. The U.S. Fed and more specific, specifically its chairman, Ben Bernanke, are in the vanguard of a revolution in central banking. You better believe when these, these terms to, to listen to it. And so from the Toronto Star, and it says, We're at the dawn of a revolution in central banking, which the likes of the Bank of Canada, the U.S. Federal Reserve Board, and eventually the European Central Bank. This is a huge one they've built for the whole Europe, for this EU monstrosity Soviet system. Will exert more influence over the global economy than government, business, or consumers. In other words, the banks are more important. They're running the world now. Understand that. Okay. It says, eventually the European Central Bank will exert more influence over the global economy than government, business, or consumers. It's a quiet revolution, and it's the inevitable consequence of our currently, our currently difficult times. Well, they create the crisis and or come forward the solutions. That's how they do everything. Everything. It says, if not for the near collapse of the world's financial system in 2008-9 and the seemingly intractable financial crisis in Europe, central bankers would have remained the unseen players who for decades have devoted themselves mostly to controlling inflation. Uh, yeah, right, and, and playing golf and jet all over the world. But in these extraordinary troubled times, central bankers have become the rescuers of last resort. There are heroes now, you understand, these private banks, you see. 
that new role has been forced on them. And while they are emboldened, they still feel a trace of reluctance in their unprecedented exertion of power and influence. Canada's McCarney, governor of the Bank of Canada, is one of the most widely esteemed of Canadians, and Carney is so well regarded abroad that British punters believe Carney to be the odds-on favourite to be poached by Britain to replace a Bank of England governor who is soon to retire. And of course, he was trained by Goldman Sachs. Elsewhere, though, central bankers don't enjoy such public and leadership class confidence. The ECB... That's a European Central Bank, even under the more enlightened leadership of its new head, Italy's Mario Draghi, uh, remains painfully slow to take the steps required to stipulate crippled, to stimulate crippled economies in desperate need of shoring up by strengthening both the public finances of Greece, Spain, and so on, and injecting liquidity into the continent's reserve poor largest banks. Yet the ECB's haplessness, even its very progressive every uh, impulse, is checked by a Germany that is amongst the world's f- most fiscally conservative countries, is proof that the revolution of, of more activist central banking is overdue. So it just goes on and on to fool you. That's the whole point of this, this article here. Into thinking it's all happening because crisis just come out of nowhere. No one saw anything coming, even though it, when the crash, the bank, before, four or five years before the banks were crashing, they were all meeting together, knowing that the bank was going to come, and they decided to plunder and plunder and plunder ahead until it happened because they were too big to fail. And also, too, they get more power out of it afterwards, which is what I'm reading here. They've got more power than ever before. <laughs> more, more, more power than governments. But remember, they're all top members of the same one organization. CFR or Royal Institute for International Affairs, it's a matter of what you call it, it's the same thing. We've been hit from every possible angle. As I say, we've gone through countless cultural revolutions that's destroyed society. And not haphazardly either. It was right on, 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 on target with every part of it, how they would destroy society. Again, going back to Yuri Bezmenov, we talked about a lot of this cultural changes, and most of the espionage was done in the West through cultural changes, the funding of special interest groups and advocation of certain things and certain agendas. And we also had a war by, again, depopulation through inoculations and various things, which I am certain, you know, there's just too much evidence out there that uh, they didn't come out with all the stuff to help us at all. Not when you look at the, at the, the guys who came out with the stuff to help us. I mean, Mr. Sock, who came out with the polio vaccine, was the head of, of the world eugenics movement for depopulation before he gave you the polio vaccine. He wrote screeds of papers about the need to kill off the unfit in a good chunk of humanity. And suddenly he becomes a hero, giving you polio vaccines full of cancer viruses and various other bioengineered things, weaponized things. Remember what I said before, that uh, when they had one of the world conferences, they talked about taking down the populations of the world many years ago. And they said that they take down Africa and Third World quickly because there's, there's less media to complain and, and see what's going on. And no one would care. But in the West, uh, they'd, they'd have to use crippling, disabling diseases. And that makes people unfit for marriage partners and so on. We're going sterile like crazy. It won't halberate. That's all part of it too. But it's no crisis. It's no crisis. As I say, the farmer has to know what's happening to his animals. And we are the animals, folks. 
and were so well studied. And believe you me, if any of these things that are happening to people with autism, cancer rates skyrocketing, and um, debilitating diseases, total allergy syndromes and all the rest of it, if, if they didn't know what was causing it, it would be a crisis. They'd have to find out for their own sakes, not for us. You see, but there's no crisis or infertility. So Whole Foods hidden in the uh, hidden camera says everything's a con and a racket in this day and age, and it's from governments all the way down. Organic spies conducted an undercover hidden camera sting of Whole Foods markets, big chain, I think, in the states for selling unlabeled GMO foods. It shows why the Whole Foods has given no money to Proposition 37, the Californian ballot initiative to label genetically engineered foods. And it's, it goes on, and it shows you a, a little video and so on. I'll put the whole article up tonight for those who want to look into it. You, you can't trust anything these days when it comes to money. Everybody's ripping everybody off. I mean, that's just the way it is. And as things get worse... And prices go up and up and up. You're going to find more folk ripping everybody else off. That's just the way it is. This article is repetitions. Next one. Because repetition, remember, becomes reality to most folks. We've already been bombarded with, oh, we've got to do away with all meats. Alvin Toffer came out with that in his book, you know, The Third Wave. And uh, he says it's going to be a vegetarian world, whether, whether they like it or not, he says. And he says, uh, he says, that's just the way it's going to be. And then they had all these articles that come out from the United Nations, all the NGOs that are funded by the foundations, uh, saying that it's unsustainable to have cattle and, and, and domestic livestock and all this kind of stuff. So here's a typical, see, repetition. Most folk won't remember the different articles, but, but the idea gets stuck in their head and they think when it happens and the government makes a decision, I guess they had to, you know, it's kind of familiar with them. Could roast dinners become a thing of the past? Thousands of families can no longer afford to cook a traditional Sunday meal. Then they go on about how they're, they're, everybody's cutting back, and um, they can't afford it, basically. Uh, and, of course, as, as you go down the tubes with, with meat and so on, they're eating all this GMO uh, wheat and, and, and all this kind of stuff, too, which is poisonous. I'll put an article about tonight about that, in fact, to show you how poisonous that stuff is. But... But most folk now, um, even though it goes on to a roast, uh, a Sunday roast, I mean, everything's shooting up in price. And they're going to put a carbon tax on everything as well. I mean, it's just everything's going up in price massively. And even, uh, you know, it says, from October the 1st, new rules on value-added tax will increase the cost of whole rotisserie chickens by 20%. Around 88 pence uh, based on today's prices. So all your food is getting taxed now. All the meat and everything is getting taxed, value-added tax, you see. And um, and so is other kinds of, of, of meat and all the rest of it too. So the bare essentials are getting taxed. In Denmark, they're even going to tax firewood. I'll put that up tonight as well. You see, so everything that you need, as I said before, all your disposable income that you should spend on little things you might want, it will be going off in necessities. It will be spent on necessities. That's what the whole system's about. That's what they mean by austerity. And you will have nothing else, no disposable income for little things that you want and maybe perhaps don't need but you like. Uh, that system's going, remember, post-consumerist, they call it. And you think it's all happening by chance. 
How come everything they've written for, for years and years and years is coming in step one after another? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's an awful lot of luck, wouldn't you say? Hmm? No, we're managed, folks. We are managed incredibly well, minutely, in every facet of life. Managed. And the folk haven't got an idea, most of them. But when you're taxing your basic necessities, your heat, which is bad enough for the prices already, and, and then put a tax on top of it, you see, and your food, and maybe your water as well. What are you going to do about it, folks? What are you going to do about it? You better start thinking. You better really start thinking. And another article to do with the EU squandering millions of pounds from Britain that are given on ridiculous things. It happens every year, doesn't make any difference to churn out these articles on how they squander things on, on ridiculous, ridiculous uh, projects. Another article that's quite interesting is, is it's mainstream, and it says, why are the Freemasons collecting our children's DNA? Mainstream article. This conspiracy theorists need to theorize no more. In pages from a fiction novel brought to life, the strangest twists in popular folklore have been winding through our government corridors. In this case, I won't blame you for being tempted to run it by Snopes. Fabled as a secret society, Freemasons, actually they call themselves a society with secrets, see themselves as an esoteric fraternity, an ancient brotherhood of initiates who are voted into membership for the purpose of sharing enlightenment through the use of exclusive teachings. And this too is true. If you get into them, you, you, you can work your way up to run the, the local council board and, and get all the contracts and stuff. And there's a lot of money exchanges, hands and things like that, you know. Since they're not a religious group and yet elevated status can be obtained through invitation to the various esteemed rites and legendary Knights Templars, etc. It says, uh, it's argued they find the roots in historical Christian militia, which once upon a time nearly bankrupted the Vatican, despite an effort to distance themselves from politics and religion in modern times. Scandinavian branches to this day will only permit entry of fellow Christian worshippers. Women remain forbidden, although there's good news for slaves and the disabled who may have overcome discrimination after a thousand years of human rights progression. Actually, they have, they call them side lodges for women, if they're members. But anyway, it says, in Massachusetts, this Freemasonic programs promoted, this is for, this is for, for, for Masonic chips. I've mentioned this over the years, years ago actually, Masonic chips. Why are the Masons pushing chipping children? It says it promoted by CBS News from the steps of the official state house and included their police dog, coincidentally named Mason. Reporters only failed to mention the private nod to those promoting him or that government had little to do with it. What is Masonic chip, you ask? It begins on the surface as a child's identification project in case your loved ones are ever to be horrendously abducted. Parents are familiar with at-home kits to record children's vital information for protection against greatest of all fears to be inflicted on a family. Height, weight, and so on. It says just the, the good folks at your local Masonic Lodge saw fit to take things further. With advances in technology, they began to offer digital fingerprints, digital imaging, digital video, dental impressions, and DNA mouth swabs. This data processing is managed by their proprietary software that's designed to be compatible with local and national law enforcement. Well, most law enforcement's members of the Masons, is it? This is, after all, a campaign created by police in the Brotherhood. That's what it says here. I've got the links to that as well regardless of its private funding. A great distinction is made to ensure governments are nothing more than their supporters. 
and members. Freemasons assert ownership of this project as an integral part of their mission statement. Well, what mission statement have Freemasons got, eh? So we, the Freemasons, are the sole sponsor of the Masonic Safety Identification Initiative, as developed in our various Masonic Grand Lodge jurisdictions. As such, we schedule the events and coordinate the equipment, materials, volunteers necessary to conduct events. All groups and individuals are welcome to work alongside, but they're not referred as, as sponsors, but listed and involved as supporters, supporting partners, corporate partners, in collaboration with or in cooperation with. They claim their services are superior to what parents could accomplish at home by recording the children's data personally and providing their own health care professionals to collect their DNA samples. And it goes on and on and on. Quite interesting. Quite, quite interesting indeed. But folk will go over that too. You understand you're run by, again, private organisations and clubs and these societies. You go into any, you, you drive in towards any town in Canada, the first big billboard you'll see before you get anywhere near it is all the, the Freemasonic institutions in that town or city, which tells you, they're telling you that anything that you need done at a high level, these are the guys you approach because they're all members. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. And... This article here, too, is to do with uh, the health risks of genetically engineered foods. This is uh, are massively presented in a documentary by Jeffrey Smith. I'll put that up there tonight, too. And you can have a look at that as well. There's so many uh, articles out there now. But they'll rush ahead regardless. They're not going to listen to any other uh, evidence to do with killing us off. Because that's the agenda. You profit while you kill. You know, that's simple as that old thing. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watch and we're going through uh, the crazinesses today. It's, it's planned craziness, of course. It looks like chaos, but you get order out of chaos as long as you guide the chaos. And everything that's happening is part of the, the guided chaos, of course. And the fallout's always dealt with uh, by governments that are waiting for all to show, all, all the symptoms to show, because they know the agenda. And then they come forward with new government agencies and more private institutions, public-private partnerships to deal with all the problems. It's very simple, really. But there's an article here, too, to do... Everything's weaponized, you understand. This is children addicted to using electronic devices 24-7 will be, di- will be diagnosed with a serious mental illness if a new addiction included as Internet use disorder in a worldwide psychiatric manual is confirmed by further research. Mind you, they're churning out lots of things, even nervous knee syndromes and stuff. The formal inclusion of the new addiction has been welcomed by Australian psychology professionals in response to a wave of always-on technology engulfed children. But remember, psychiatry was to take over from religion, for those who don't understand that. The history of the guys that pushed Freud forwards, for instance, was to destroy all the popular religions and so on. And eventually you wouldn't go to a priest or a minister with problems, you'd go to the psychiatrist and psychologist. That's happened. And then you, you elevate them up as real scientific experts and you really, you know, emblazon and, and embellish scientific. It must be better than anything else and, and until it's a holy thing. And they are the new religion. 
So naturally, Australian psychology professionals are, are, you know, happy with every new diagnosis they put on the books. With kids, it says gaming is an obvious issue, but overall, technology could be used, could be a potential problem. And it says, with children, gaming is an obvious issue. It says, the Sun Herald spoken to parents of children as young as seven who are aggressive, irritable, and hostile when deprived of their iPads or laptops. Psychologists argue video game and internet addictions share the characteristics of other addictions, including emotional shutdown, lack of concentration, and withdrawal symptoms if the gadgets are removed, it says. Other follow-up include devastating impacts for children and families as social interaction and even food are neglected in favour of the virtual worlds the children inhabit. Australian experts contribute to the Australian Psychological Society's submission to the International Manual, supporting the inclusion of the addiction focusing on internet gaming as well. So, in recognition of threats posed by increasingly prevalent electronic devices, the Bible for the Psychiatric Profession, called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, will include internet use disorder as a condition recommended for further study in its revised edition in May next year. It says the inclusion acknowledges the risks posed by overuse of seemingly benign technologies, classifying internet use disorder alongside other mental disorders that need further research before becoming a recognized mental illness that can be formally diagnosed. No doubt Pharma will come up with a pill right away with it too, and they can drug the children with that as well. Commentary in the United States about the move has raised the specter of children being overtreated and even medicated for playing computer games. So, again, they said they would make, they would make the rise of psychiatry, psychology, the king, the new religion for all your problems. And here we are. And of course, Big Pharma is all part of it too, because they can help drug everybody. Remember they said that they'd bring Big Pharma in, tranquilizers and all kinds of medications. They're already drugging children galore for all the other so-called disorders that they claim that they have. It's not a crisis, folks. It's not a crisis then. You see, they say the farmers know what's causing it all. <laughs> they know. They'd be the first ones to find out. They have to be. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you.